Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Guardians. Uh, it's been a while. There hasn't really been much to talk about. It's been the offseason. Of course, we just finished the postseason. Uh, World Series just got wrapped up. The Texas Rangers winning their first championship in franchise history, uh, defeating the Arizona Diamondbacks in five games. Um, the lowest rated World Series in history. Uh, the news came out, but we are baseball fans and it doesn't matter. So we're going to watch every day. But um, as always, we're going to have a good show for you. And this episode, of course, we have Quincy back. Of course, we had to have Quincy with. He's going to be uh, detailing some of the news with the Guardians making a hire at manager finally. Uh, so, Quincy, how are you doing? Oh, doing good, Amari. Yeah, not, I enjoyed the World Series. I was I was happy. I have a, a lifelong friend who's a Texas Rangers fan. We used to play wiffle ball in the backyard. I would be the Indians. He would be the Rangers. And we'd do all the different positions and stances and everything of the players. And we both always dreamed of our teams winning a championship. So I was happy for him that they did. And hopefully it'll be my turn soon. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. Um, we've been through a lot of heartbreak as Indians and Guardians fans. And um, I, it was weird because um, – you know, like I was saying, we're baseball fans, so I, I still root for kind of like other teams and I watch other teams. And I, for whatever reason, um, found myself rooting for Texas. I don't know why. I think it's just because they had a 1-1. Arizona's 1-1 before. They had been twice in back-to-back years and they couldn't get it done. So I don't know. I, I kind of found myself like drifting towards rooting for the Rangers. Yeah, that I like Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. They both seem like pretty great guys as far as like superstars in the games game goes. And Nate Evald, Nate Evaldi, he's just fun to watch in the playoffs. And one of those guys that just seems like he's got ice in his veins. So yeah, there were guys to root for. I, I don't enjoy seeing Aroldis Chapman win World Series, and but yeah, he there's always somebody one. to root against. <laughs> right, of course. Yeah, even with him there, it's like I just didn't want the Astros to win again. And I'm at the point where it's like you – I mean, you do have to give them their credit because of how consistently good they are. But at the same time, you know, coming out of that whole scandal, they rubbed everybody the wrong way, and they just became an easy target to not root for. So um, even though we – I was just going to say, I like what you said about never winning a World Series before. That's pretty much what I always go for is who hasn't won in the longest time or who hasn't won yeah. at all. And I root for them if the Guardians aren't in it. Right. Yeah, we love parody and the Astros. They've had many chances. It's, it kind of reminds me of um, 2019 when the Nationals won. They beat the Astros kind of very unlikely, but that was very satisfying to, yeah. to watch. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. But we can turn the page to the Guardians, hopefully sooner rather than later. That can be us. Um, I'm still feeling the heartbreak of 2016. I don't know about you. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it still hits hard. And 2017, Mari, I think 2017 hurts me even more. (laughs) Yeah, 100 games, a 2-0 lead in the division series just to lose to the Yankees. Not even get out of the first round. Yeah, that that definitely hurt. But um. Yeah, moving on to hopefully better 
uh, better than bigger things. Uh, replacing Terry Francona after his 11 successful years in Cleveland, uh, hiring Steven Vogt to a three-year contract to manage the team. Um, no prior manager managerial experience, but he was a bullpen coach for uh, Seattle last season, so he does have major league coaching experience. Um, but what were your thoughts on the hire? Uh, was he high on your list, and do you have a positive outlook uh, for him going into the future? Yeah, I I uh, didn't necessarily think of him as a candidate until Jeff Passan tweeted out that he was a serious candidate. So that led me to start looking into who he was and what he was about. And there are a lot of things that I immediately liked. He's obviously got a great sense of humor. Everybody loves him from teammates to coaches to fans. I think those are things that you look for in a manager is somebody who really connects well with people and can provide you a little um, levity because baseball is so difficult and so hard and such a long season, a sense of humor makes a big difference, which Tito had as well. But then you start to hear other things about how he was basically a managerial intern under Craig Council. He did a lot of tasks for managers when he was a player for Bob Melvin. Uh, and then even that year of being a quality control coach and then go and watch interviews with him, which he's done a lot of interviews. You can see that he's got a good grasp of the numbers in the game. He's not an anti-analytics guy. Uh, he understands them. He loves the numbers. and But then he's also a guy who understands what it's like to be a player at any level. He spent most of the first, like, I think it's like seven years of his career he spent in the minors mostly and then became a full-time major leaguer around the age of 29. So he's going to understand what it's like to be a journeyman to make it, but he made two all-star teams. So he's also going to understand what it's like to be an all-star. And I think those are both things that are pretty important for a manager to be able to communicate with players. I think the front office is looking for somebody who can take the information that they can provide and make it make sense to players. And it looks to me like votes done that his whole career. So I think it's, I think it's a good choice. Yeah. Um, I thought Zach Meisel did a, a great job of kind of outlining who Steven vote was for uh, people who don't know who he is. Obviously as baseball fans, we know uh, he was a two-time all-star as a catcher. He has 10 years of major league experience and um, kind of how the front office viewed him as in the same mold of Terry Francona with his personality, uh, how he gets along with everybody, how he fits into a room of different people, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm fine with it. I definitely didn't expect his name to come up, especially with uh, so little coaching experience and no managerial experience. But I do find myself being very open and accepting of this hire, um, as we've seen before, uh, you know, Craig Council, for one, didn't have managerial experience, and he's gone on to be successful in Milwaukee with a um, not-so-high payroll and always doesn't have the best talent on his team. But um, as far as the vote hiring, um, you know, you seem very accepting of it as well. Um, were there other candidates that you thought would maybe get, you know, have a better chance at landing this job before uh, vote's name came up? Yeah, I was just saying, I do think if Will Venable had been available, the bench coach of the Rangers, that he probably would have uh, got the job from the Guardians or been their top choice. Uh, and he has a little more experience. I do think that they liked Carlos Mendoza, who got the Mets job. And it sounded like they liked Clayton McAuliffe from the Dodgers as well. And I think all those guys are eventually going to be good managers. So I, I liked all the choices. Um 
you can we can win me over with a great personality and, and humor and vote has that so i'm i'm ready to support him and, and being on it i think that there is a level of risk with somebody who's never been a manager before and they probably know that and are accepting of that um but they're going to surround him with a lot of good people and we'll hope for the best yeah, uh, speaking of surrounding with great people, there's a couple of people that won't be back on the staff, uh, notably third base coach Mike Sarbaugh, uh, which was a surprise to me. But um, with all of his many years in Cleveland, does that come as a surprise to you? And who do you see maybe his replacement? Yeah, it was surprising because I think he does a good job and he seemed like an organizational lifer, but it's hard to say what's going on and, and what the team feels about it. Um so I, it's hard to say. I imagine that vote will have a few guys that he likes a lot and wants to bring along with him, but probably the majority of folks that are on the coaching staff for the guardians currently will continue and help bring some stability there. I think so, you know, if I had to guess, I wouldn't, they've taught, they interviewed John McDonald for a role on the team. And he, of course, being a former infielder, um, if I had to guess, I bet John McDonald ends up coaching third base because that's what Sarbaugh did was coach third base and be an infield coach. So I could definitely see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, now we still have a young team, a young team, new manager, uh, hopefully an up and coming team as we saw the regression from last season. Um, I don't know what your outlook may be for 2024. Uh, and what is your outlook just as a whole for Stephen Vogt's tenure in Cleveland? I think it's that the guardians still have a great organization. They obviously know what they're doing on the pitching side of things and just have to figure out the hitting side of things. I feel like they're going to give themselves the best chance that they can to do that. I think we can see some of their recent acquisitions in the draft and in trades shows that they know they need a little more exit velocity from their hitters. They've obviously been trying to get guys to make a lot of contact and see if they can get them to pull the ball and hit the ball in the air to make up for the lack of exit velocity. And they may just have to kind of swing back towards maybe getting some more guys like young Kenzie Noel who don't make great contact but make loud contact. Sometimes you just got to find some more of those guys to get into the mix. And that's what they've done with the lotter. Um, Velasquez, is the, the top pick from this past draft. And then uh, also Manzardo trade. They've shown that they can find that. So I think that the organization will continue to be strong. I do think David Blitzer will probably want to spend a little bit more than Dolan has. And there's a lot of good plans they have in place to upgrade the stadium and around the stadium, which should help bring in some new revenue. Even though the situation with Bally Sports isn't good right now, I do think that they'll eventually find a way to make more money off of a better deal where they can kind of sell direct to consumer. Uh, that eventually will happen. They'll figure that out. So I think the future is bright, and that's good for Stephen Vogt. Right now for 2024, I, I do hope that the team is willing to invest in at least a couple of bats who can help out in the middle of the lineup, uh, probably a bullpen pitcher, and it would be great if they could get another starting pitcher, maybe on like a pillow deal kind of thing, so that that they could add some depth to the rotation because it's probably not a good idea to rely on Tristan McKenzie to be healthy for next season. So that's kind of what for the immediate future needs to be two or three additions made. And then I'll feel pretty good depending on who they are. Uh, but for the, the years after that, I feel, I feel really good about the future of the. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because I was going to get into free agents and who, uh, what positions do you think are positions of need? Um, as we've seen the bullpen falter up and down during the season, corner, outfield, uh, middle infield. Um, so, you know, what's kind of the most important to you and uh, what are a couple names that maybe you're eyeing right now? Yeah. The, um, I, so for me, the most important thing is you have to find at least one hitter who you can trust to bat in the middle of the lineup. Um, doesn't have to be fourth per se, it could be third or fifth or second, but you need to find somebody who can do that and it can play likely a corner outfield spot. It'd be fine if they could find a center fielder, but obviously a center fielder who can bat in the middle of the order is few and far between. Um, I do think there's maybe an interesting, like, like a big swing type thing in a trade. The Padres are probably going to look to trade Fernando Tatis Jr., who could probably play center field and can definitely play a corner outfield spot. Would love to see the Guardians get on that because his deal is going to look very cheap in the coming years because of inflation and how all the prices in the game are going up. Uh, and he, he can provide a lot. That'd be exciting. Another guy, Jazz Chisholm from the Marlins. Not sure he's a center fielder, but I think he'd be a pretty excellent left fielder. And I like what he provides a lot. I think he's the kind of guy who would really blossom under Steven Vogt too. So those are two guys that if they made available in trades, like those are lineup changing type of players, which I'd love for them to look for. But then, you know, as you probably have heard, Mari, the outfield market this year isn't great, but there's, there's a couple names. Um, I think that, uh, uh, sorry, I think as you look at the Teoscar Hernandez and Jorge Soler, those are two guys that would be nice to have in a corner that would provide you a lot of home runs. Um, I even think that there's a possibility that you could look at uh, if you can find yourself a decent center fielder, maybe you make a trade for a guy like Joey Weimer from the Milwaukee Brewers, who is going to be a great defensive center fielder and offer some power upside. Maybe you can make a trade like that. And then you could sign a guy like Jock Peterson and platoon him with Ramon Laureano. And that makes a pretty good corner outfield spot. So there's a variety of things you can do. I also would mention that I really like Taylor Ward, who's an outfielder for the Angels. And I like um, the uh, option of Brent Rooker from the Oakland Athletics. Rooker had a great season for them last season. Unfortunately, the Guardians could have got him as a, a DFA guy, but sometimes you miss on that. And I think if they're, they are willing to trade Rooker, who is only who's 29, so his kind of breakout season came late. I think if they were willing to trade him, that would be an interesting move for him because for me, because I do think he's valuable as a hitter and not terrible in the outfield. So those are a couple names. But then I also like the idea of adding a guy for one year and then betting on guys like George Valera to help you out for the future. Chase the lot are probably ready for next season. So if they do that, then maybe a guy like Tyler O'Neill from the Cardinals or a guy like Anthony Santander from the uh, Orioles. Both of those guys would be great for one year. Nice. Um, yeah. So do you think that uh, the new hire, Stephen Vogt, do you think that maybe his name, because of course he's known in, in baseball circles, do you think that his addition to Cleveland would kind of garner more interest for free agents? And uh, if so, what's one player uh, out of the many that you just named, uh, more than I even would ask for, um, one player that you would sign right now that you know would help the team for next season? 
Yeah, that's that's a good good question. I, I do think you make a great point. Everybody loves Stephen Vogt. They really do. So I think if guys have encountered him, they probably are like, oh, man, I'd love to play for that guy. I'd have to go back and look at who he's played with because he's been in so many different places and uh, and kind of see what what's out there for options of guys that he had played with. But, you know, I, I think about Teoscar Hernandez, who is supposedly like great friends with Jose Ramirez, although it seems like almost everybody's great friends with Jose. But Teoscar maybe is particularly close to him. I could see him also saying, well, Jose's there and there's this guy who played in Teoscar league for a while was a coach on Teoscar's team last year because Teoscar was on the Mariners and vote was a coach there maybe he has a connection with him as like I'd love to play for this guy as a manager and that might help the Guardians in contract negotiations yeah um obviously we haven't been underway with free agency that much uh so far not really any moves. Do you anticipate Cleveland maybe not being the, a big spender? Obviously, we don't have a huge payroll. Um, but how much money do you think they are willing to spend and invest in free agents to make this team a winner next year? Yeah, it's impossible to say. But I, I would guess that because of the Bali situation and Blitzer not necessarily being like the main guy yet, I would suspect they're not going to spend big, but I do think that they will find a way to add a middle of the lineup hitter. And I think they'll add arms for the pitching staff. They might be more like minor league free agents that they believe in. They might be more like, Oh, Hey, we could maybe get one good season out of Carlos Carrasco on a minor league deal, like that kind of thing. I'm hoping for more. Uh, but I, I think I would set my expectations that that will at least happen. I, I'd say uh, as far as things that have happened already, I really enjoy low-key addition of Christian Bethencourt, uh, who I think upgrades the backup catcher position quite a bit and is a perfect pairing for Bo Naylor. So, uh, it, yeah, you go from Cam Gallagher, negative 17 WRC plus to Christian Bethencourt, 75 to 80 WRC plus. That's like 100 points improvement. And you think about that, that makes a big difference over a whole season where a guy's probably going to get 250 at bats at least. Yeah, definitely. It's like you're reading my mind. Um, I was going to bring up the Bethencourt signing. Um, definitely could be a backup catcher. He has experience at catcher and first base, even though I don't anticipate him playing much first base with the names that we have. But he is a two career 231 hitter. Hit 225 last season with 11 homers, 33 RBI. Um, if you want to keep track of it, his war was uh, positive it was 0.6, which is better than what we were getting from our other backup catcher and Cam Gallagher, yeah. who of course just got <laughs> DFA this week. Um, but yeah, talk more about Bethancourt because for me, I think um, I think he's a good name. I saw him in Oakland before he got traded to uh, Tampa Bay, and he's been pretty decent for them. Like I said, 11 homers, that's more than we were getting. So I look at it as a plus. Yeah, and he had a full season where he was an average major league hitter, which is great for a catcher to be able to pull off. Um, and he's right-handed, which is nice. He's not necessarily a guy who crushes lefties, but it's nice to have a right-handed hitter in your lineup too. And sometimes you get those guys will just have a year where they really hit lefties very well because they're right-handed. I think you can see that happen. And I think the thing that's nice about him is a lot of the value he provides is what the Guardians need, which is slugging. Uh, when he hits the ball, he can hit it a long way. And I think that was a good concept with Zanino. It just turned out that Zanino was washed. He wasn't wasn't there anymore but it was a good concept when they signed Zanino for that purpose yeah um 
like I said, I'll take it. Um, but moving on to one of the pitchers he could be catching uh, next season, Tanner Bybee is a finalist for American League Rookie of the Year. Um, what are your what are, what are your chances of of him winning? I think that he should finish no worse than second, but we've seen crazier things happen. And I think he makes a, a pretty strong case to win the award. Um, but of course he's got good competition with Gunnar Henderson, who's probably the odds on favorite from Baltimore. Um, but yeah, what do you think are his chances of winning? Yeah, I do think Henderson won. I, I think if people want spoilers, it was pretty clear when Jeff Passan tweeted out the award, the, the finalists, that he was tweeting out a list that MLB had given him. And whoever sent that list out, I'm pretty sure gave them the list in order of who won because it wasn't alphabetical and there wasn't really any other logic behind it. And all the other choices made sense. So if that list is correct, then Bobby will finish second, which is great for him because it actually, uh, it takes off a year of team control. So he'll hit free agency easier earlier, not good for us, uh, but may possibly (laughs) push the team to say, oh, hey, let's try to figure out an early extension where we maybe buy out a few years of free agency for you. Uh, And I think that'd be great because he's obviously got a bulldog mentality that you look for in a pitcher to say, oh, he's the kind of guy who will work hard if he's got an injury because you got to expect all pitchers will get injuries. And obviously the stuff is good enough where, you know, say he has an injury and he loses a couple ticks on the fastball, he's still good. So I hopefully they consider that after a great season from him. Right. And of of course, the last American League pitcher to win Rookie of the Year was Michael Fulmer in 2016 with the Detroit Tigers. And I say that because, well, of course, not only was he the last starting pitcher to win, but also um, Tyler Naquin, who I thought should probably win and finished no less than second, finished third. So we'll see what happens this year with another Cleveland player up for the award. Uh, but I wanted to move on really quickly to Cal Manzardo and Chase DeLauder, who we talked about uh, two names that we could possibly see in Cleveland next season have been doing really good in uh, fall ball. Um, Manzardo hitting 241 has an OPS of 858. Uh, I couldn't find a lot up to date stats, but I think he's hitting 269 has a 370 on base percentage, 513 slugging, uh, in fall so far this season. But what are your thoughts on, uh, on them and their impressions and how soon do you think they could be wearing a guardians uniform next season? Yeah. Manzardo should be in the opening day lineup in my opinion. And, uh, Delauder, you should, I mean, if he continues what he's doing, you should probably see him after the all-star break or, you know, September call up. So that's pretty exciting. And, and Ryan Webb had a pretty good Arizona folly experience as a pitcher, led the league in strikeouts, give up some runs here and there, but I think that's a name to keep in mind as somebody who will be a nice step piece to have as a left-handed starter who throws pretty hard. So, uh, yeah, it's good. I'm sorry I got to get going, uh, Amari, but I really appreciate you getting me on and, and love talking ball with you. Of course. Like I said, as always, man, I appreciate you coming on. Enjoy you having on, you know, giving us your insight and your, your you seem like an insider, honestly, with the, the wealth <laughs> of knowledge that you have. That's why I love having you on. But yeah, um, if you want to plug yeah. your Twitter really quickly and we can get out of here. Sure. sure. Uh, Quincy Wheeler one. You can find me on Guardian Fancast podcast about once a week now. And also a disgusting baseball podcast that's connected to covering the corner. We do it about twice a month there. And then uh, on covering the corner.com, you can find my writings. Uh, we're doing some fun stuff in the off season. They're looking at potential additions and plans. And then eventually we'll do some analysis of players and how they can maybe improve on their 2023 performances. So thank you, Amari. 
Of course. All right. We'll see you. Uh, see you later. And of course, if you're listening, this has been Amari with another episode for Believe in Guardians. As always, for Quincy, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time. See you.